Welcome to another Kundalini Q&A session. It's very simple. You send me questions about Kundalini Awakening and I do my best to respond. So we've got a few questions that came in over Instagram. One came in over email. Best place to connect with me is over Instagram at Brent Spirits. I'm actually live right now as I record this episode. So let's just get right into it. First question comes from Jin's World on Instagram. Now, I hope I'm saying your name right, Jin's World, unless it's DJ N. Anyway, hope you don't mind. But you've got a great question here. Should spirituality be for all? Why do some tune out from even the word itself? Yeah, great question. Sure, it challenges a lot of people going through spiritual awakening, you know, wondering why isn't everybody else on board with this? Why do some people tune out from the word spirituality itself before even looking into anything beyond it? They hear the word spirituality and they, you know, shut down, run away, laugh, scoff, etc. You know, maybe bury their head in the sand or whatever. Should spirituality be for all? Well, throughout my spiritual journey, I recognize that spirituality is already for all, whether they are aware of it or not, whether they are overtly spiritual, whether they're in denial of it or not, it does not matter. How I came to this conclusion was I looked into the origins of what spirituality means, the word itself, spirit. I found that it comes from the Latin spiritus, meaning the breath. So it has to do with the breath. So the way I see it, if you breathe, you're spiritual, you cannot escape it. Sometimes we hear the word spirituality and we think about, you know, somebody with, uh, you know, they haven't groomed themselves, they stopped washing their hair, they're wearing those big baggy, you know, uh, parachute pants and they've got a bunch of beads and they're chanting and they've got crystals and and they're telling you just be in the now and maybe they're smoking weed and doing ayahuasca and they're telling you you know just be in the now there's no self here or they're talking about something in a different language and all this kind of stuff but really that's that's not spirituality spirituality is being with the breath that's it if you breathe you're spiritual and so is it for all yeah if you breathe you're spiritual. So why do some tune out for the word itself? So why do some people ignore it? Even though, you know, like we're saying here, if you breathe, you're spiritual, still people ignore it, they tune it out. Well, I think it's, it's a few different reasons. You know, if I can continue on the point I was just making, I think that people have made it into something that is uh, rather polarizing. Some people can be really attracted to all the things, you know, crystals and, and all the drugs and psychedelics and, you know, it's not drugs, it's plant medicine and, and it's, you know, uh, you know, all these different, you know, interesting things you've got going on, different breath work and, and astral travel and OBEs and all these different things that can be really attractive to people. People can see that and say, oh my gosh, that's incredible. What's going on here in the spirituality world? But others, you know, they see all of that and they either get afraid. They're like, I don't want to leave my body. I don't want to do astral travel. Uh, drugs are bad. I don't want anything to do with that. Or, you know, maybe they hear of things, you know, like maybe they even see here, you know, if you take psychedelics, you'll get to really figure out who you are. You'll have to go really deep and recognize, you know, some of the, the, the things maybe you've been running from about yourself. Or they hear the same about meditation. Sit with yourself alone, quietude. You know, you may start to experience some, uh, some, some things that you've been ignoring about yourself, your past, your, your habits, your behaviors, your beliefs, etc. And people say, oh, hell no, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm scared. And so they run the other way. Of course, there's also ideas of, you know, spirituality will lead you to self-realization. 
enlightenment, God realization. You will become the most divine version of yourself. And that contradicts a lot of people's uh, cultural and religious ideas, which says human beings are flawed, imperfect, unworthy sinners who aren't worthy of, you know, sharing a presence with or a connection with God. Maybe, maybe when we die and go to heaven, but in this body, in this life, no way. That is blasphemy. That is arrogant to even think that this is possible. And so they hear these ideas and they say, oh, hell no. That must be, you know, um, a trap. Maybe they think that it's, uh, you know, like we're, we're trying to claim that we are as good as the God that they believe they have in the sky, for example. And so people just want nothing to do with this. They, they, you know, they go back to being, you know, their unworthy selves, not really worthy of experiencing the divine in this body as a mystic, as a spiritually awakened person. And so they hear these ideas and, you know, that's why they tune out from the word itself. Um, on a deeper level, now this is how I came to sort of feel satisfied with people not being interested in spirituality like I am. This is how I came to let them off the hook, to give up the resentment and to forgive them. I recognized spiritual awakening. When you, when you awaken spiritually, you recognize all there is is spirituality. All there is is, is you know, it's divine. All there is is consciousness, including people who have nothing to do with this, who want to run the other direction. So what we recognize then, it's like they came from spirit. They came from the divine. They incarnated into these bodies and they are so committed to their role as their sense of separate self, as their egos, they don't want to awaken. They don't want to look at any of this. And that's okay. They came to experience life as human being, as Bob or as Jill or whoever, right? And so we don't have to resent them for it. They're already God, right? So when you have a spiritual awakening, you recognize everybody is God, even the people who are adamantly averse to the idea that they could possibly be God, even the people that are adamantly against these ideas of spirituality, that's God playing a very, very perfect, uh, committed role, and they don't want to break character yet. They're still on their journey, still having their adventures, still involved in the drama, still going through their lessons and learning, and that's what the divine wants through them. And so it's not our job to try and like grab them and shake them and say, hey, wake up, wake up. Everybody's already awake already when you really think about it. Everybody's already awake. All there is is awakeness. All there is is the divine. It's okay if people don't want anything to do with this. It's okay if people want to stay within the drama or stay asleep within the matrix or whatever you know ways we want to label them. It's all good. It's all good. Ram Dass said we are all God in drag and that's really it. That's what we realize once we awaken ourselves. When our time in the drama ends, then we begin to wake up and we recognize, yeah, other people, they still got time in the drama. They still have things to experience and that's their journey and, and we can let them have their fun and, and, and enjoy their ride. And maybe they're suffering and that's okay too. Why is it okay if they're suffering? From the absolute level, okay, from the absolute level, it's okay that they're suffering. It's because they're God in disguise. They're immortal. They're eternal, right? But we don't obviously tell people that. We don't, we don't use that to spiritually bypass the human experiences that people are having. We want to be with them if they are suffering, for example. But part of us also knows everybody is God in disguise. They're going to be okay. They don't need to know about spirituality. So it's okay if they tune out from the word itself. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. And once again, I hope I got your name right here. Jin's world. Okay, so 
The other question here comes from Quincy from Instagram. Quincy asks, what are your thoughts on magic? Now, for the most part, I'd like to try and keep this podcast Q&A segment about Kundalini, but this is an interesting question because magic does have a little bit to do with Kundalini and I can, I can, uh, I can talk a little bit about it in this direction. So there's, it's a, it's a very deep and esoteric topic, um, magic. Straightforwardly, there are some occult techniques and approaches and ideas that can work with Kundalini to manipulate it and use this power for egoic reasons, selfish reasons. This, this is a thing. It, it, it does exist. Um, if you happen to be interested in this kind of stuff, you will pay a price. You will pay greatly. Maybe not immediately, but you will pay. It will not be pleasant. It will not be fun. It is not worth exploring how to use magic to manipulate this energy or to use it for your personal gain and whatever. Okay, keep that in mind. I am openly acknowledging, yes, it is a thing. No, you don't want to mess around with it. You will pay. You will You will regret it for sure. Just because you're, you're playing with fire. Um, on top of that, now, most of the esoteric occult understandings, insights, even to do with these ideas of magic, most of that has been lost. The few people that maybe are out there talking about it, don't really know what they're talking about. They've just done some research and they're just kind of regurgitating information. Um, the real the real people that were astute at manipulating this energy and all this kind of stuff, that's all been lost. Um, so, you know, you can go on and read these books. You'll be wasting your time. Um, but just for the sake of, of discussing this openly here, just to kind of, you know, put some people's uh, curiosity to rest. Yeah, it's a thing not worth messing around with. Um, you'll pay just just the rewards that come from surrendering and being selfless in terms of not being selfish and not doing this for egoic gain the rewards that come from that approach from from traveling just the path of surrender and trust not from the path of manipulation and doing magic to control etc the rewards that come from just trying to just trust in god far, far outshine any little child's play games to do with, with magic and, and that kind of stuff. So that's my thoughts on magic and Kundalini. Question I got over email from Jay. Jay writes, I've heard it said that Kundalini ultimately leads to the embodiment of non-dual realization, awakening to a reality where there is no separation or self in some sense. Yet in non-dual circles, there are people who claim to be realized or to have achieved non-dual perspective without any energetic body activity or kundalini rising. Is it possible to get the new software without the hardware upgrade? I guess I'm asking. I guess that's what I'm asking. Or maybe are some people already, for some reason, poised to realize non-dual awareness without a challenging kundalini rising? Okay. Yeah, so I'll describe it. I'll try and make it simple here. Non-duality, 
you know, when, when, our, when our crown chakras open, activated, awakened, we recognize there's an incredible spaciousness, this incredible witnessing state of consciousness, incredible like um, um, observer mode, right? We recognize I'm not this mind, I'm not this body. We also recognize that the ego is not really a, a, a solid entity. It's just thoughts arising one at a time in a field of consciousness. There's no actual ego there. There's no self. And so people have this realization and they recognize, oh, everything is just arising in consciousness. The crown opens. This is the non-dual realization that you're speaking of. But this doesn't have much to do with the rest of the body. Right? And I love the, the metaphor you used here, Jay. You said, you know, the new software without the hardware upgrade. And that's exactly it. They have the, the software, you know, the, the crown is open. They recognize, you know, I'm everything is non-duality, everything is awareness, everything is consciousness, but the body is telling a different story. The body is still here with trauma, with pain, with conditioning. The nervous system is still not able to relax. There's still fight or flight going on. And if there's not very many emotions, the complete emotional system has been shut off and that's not, there's no way to live as a human being anyway. But, you know, you can't really relate with people, you know, try to be in a relationship. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's impossible to be in a relationship without being in your body, without bringing some awareness in your body. So the people in non-dual circles that claim to be realized or who have achieved a non-dual perspective without any energetic activity in their body or Kundalini rising, yeah, they're, they're, they've left their body. They're in a state of dissociation. They're in a state of depersonalization. And they're calling it self-realization. Non, you know, They call it um, um, some form of enlightenment, etc. Now, they have also appropriated Advaita Vedanta, which is a a system out of India, a very de well-developed system that acknowledges the entire system of Shiva and Shakti, masculine and feminine. So Shiva is the whole crown chakra awakening. Shakti is the, the rest of the body awakening. So Advaita Vedanta was all-encompassing of all of this, the full system, okay? In the past maybe 30, 40 years, a new offshoot of Advaita emerged called Neo-Advaita, right? Neo meaning new. Now, why did they have to add this prefix to Advaita? because they appropriated it to suit their version of what they call self-realization, which is dissociation, which is depersonalization, which is just being out of your body. They wanted to say, okay, I can have that realization. I don't have to look at anything in my body. I don't have to acknowledge the divine in this body. And, and that's where they, they fell short. And they're cheating themselves, right? They're cheating themselves um, out of fear out of denial, you know, they don't want to actually look in this body, what's really going on in here, what am I holding, what trauma, what conditioning, is my heart open, oh, who cares about the heart, oh, that's all just attachment, all that is just uh, maya, it's just illusion, that's what they say, right, this is the words that they use, talk about kundalini to these people, and they say, oh, kundalini, that's just phenomena, it's fleeting, it's not, it's of the world, they don't understand, they've appropriated, like I said, Advaita, and, and Advaita Vedanta acknowledges kundalini, acknowledges the shakti, the rising of this energy, and so these people have the software, but they don't have the hardware. And so they're not living the full experience of the upgraded computer. They've only got the software on a CD, but they're operating, their, their, their hardware can't run it until the hardware gets an upgrade as well. And so a lot of these people will also like to cite Ramana, Ramana Harshi, great uh, saint, you know, Advaita Vedanta. He, he was famous for his practice of self-inquiry, asking, you know, who am I? Who am I? And, and that will lead to a state of realization where, you know, your crown will open, you recognize you are non-dual awareness, non-dual consciousness, et cetera. You realize the self. 
But he said, and, and people don't like to look at this, but he said, once you have this non-dual awakening, Kundalini will then rise on its own. Now, most people, they have to be open to this happening for it to happen. But most people are in denial of Kundalini, and so they, they live in a, a state where it doesn't rise. All they have to do is be open to it, and it would begin to rise. Now, if you look at, I was just looking the other day at Ram Ram Harshi's um, um, uh, biography on Wikipedia, and he describes when he was, I think, very young, maybe 16, he had this like experience of, uh, of almost dying. They describe, he, he, he described a current moved through his body, a current. What is a current? It's electric current and electricity and energy. What is energy? Shakti. Kundalini Shakti. Ramana Maharshi had a Kundalini awakening. People don't want to acknowledge this. They want to just say, oh, he's just talking about, you know, no self or there's no me here. There's no I. There's no ego. But he had a full Kundalini awakening in his body. And what did he do after this? For 17 years, he sat in a cave. What was he doing in the cave? He was upgrading the hardware. Upgrading the hardware. So people can have this sort of Neo-Advaita version of awakening, which is actually dissociation. And they can call it awakening and enlightenment. And if anybody challenges them, they have all the, the talking points locked and loaded, ready to go. They have all the talking points because it's very easy to dismiss everything in the world by saying it's all illusion. So easy. So easy to ignore doing the actual deep emotional work that we've been talking about throughout this series. If you just say you've had a non-dual awakening and, you know, all of the body, the world illusion, emotions, etc. It's all attachment. It's all Maya. It's all BS, etc. But that is no way to live. These people have uh, great issues behind the scenes. You know, you're talking about people in these non-dual circles uh, claiming to be realized. I guarantee you look at their lives. <laughs> they will not be peaceful lives. You will find a significant amount of... Uh, emotional issues behind the scenes, um, drug abuse, et cetera, et cetera, because these people aren't happy because they pigeonhole themselves thinking that they've realized, you know, the the end of the path when their entire body is is just stuck in a state of, uh, of, of incredible emotional pain. And my heart goes out to people in those places. And I've got some talks about this on my channel as well. I think episode... Uh, Somewhere in the early teens, maybe like episode 15, I talk about um, why people in non-duality deny Kundalini awakening. Um, one idea is that they are denying the feminine. They're denying the feminine. It's the same reason that, you know, we have uh, a patriarchal society. Um, people don't want to look at their emotions. They don't want to look at their feelings. They don't want to look at their body. They don't want to acknowledge this body. They don't want to acknowledge the feminine aspect of themselves, which is, of course, Kundalini Shakti. Non-duality is Shiva. That's masculine. It's very easy to check out and ignore your body. That's what most people in these sort of non-dual circles are, 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 are living in. They're not balanced energetically. They are denying and suppressing the feminine aspect of themselves. And it is a great shame. But by grace, we hope that people can be open and Kundalini will begin to rise for them as well. And they'll go through the process. And I'm speaking from experience here because I was one of the people that were stuck in those non-dual circles. I had the crown awakening. I was abiding outside of my body, outside of my mind, completely disconnected for a couple years straight. And it was peaceful because my body was a very uncomfortable place to be. So it was peaceful to get, a re get relief from that place. But thankfully, you know, thankfully, I was open enough and Kundalini Shakti by the grace of, of the divine, I was able to be, um, you know, invited to go through Kundalini Awakening process, to go through the hardware upgrade as well. I'm very, very thankful because I know many people who don't get that opportunity. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm just very happy that uh, I didn't get stuck in those circles for too long. And so 
I'm I'm very comfortable speaking about this stuff because I've been on both both ends of the spectrum. Like you're saying, I was in those non-dual circles, um, and I've also had gone through Kundalini awakening, so I can speak to it uh, from both uh, both sides. And I understand. I have a great uh, interview and conversation with Jessica Eve, in which we go very deep into the uh, the dangers of non-duality, um, why they suppress, deny, uh, you know, these things like the body, the chakras, the emotions, the world itself. Um, we go we go deep into it, and she's got uh, a lot of wisdom to share uh, because she also, like me, has gone through the same sort of uh, uh, sort of path in which you know we come across this non-dual awakening, we come across these non-dual circles, but but eventually we're called back into the body because um, there's no way to live. So, just to clearly respond to your last question here, um, are some people already? Uh, for some reason, poised to realize non-dual awareness without a challenging Kundalini rising? Some, yes. Kundalini rising doesn't also have to be challenging. It doesn't have to necessarily be challenging. We hear about that most because, you know, those are the people that talk about it, right? People with very subtle, gentle Kundalini process don't really uh, talk about it too much because there's nothing to really report. Um, but, yeah, we would hope that uh, as our collective ascension moves forward, more people are called back down to earth, back down into the bodies. We do the work. It might be challenging for some if they begin to work with the body, work with Kundalini. It might not be challenging. It might be might be rather uh, gentle and easy. But for the most part, I hope that everybody that is experiencing some form of, of spiritual awakening, it's a non-dual awakening or whatever it is, I hope that they all begin to recognize this, this intelligence of Kundalini. Call it whatever you want. Um, but uh, the body is very sacred, very, very sacred and very necessary as well. I'll close with one last point here about consciousness. In Advaita Vedanta, they speak of the nature of reality being Sat, Chit, Ananda. Being, consciousness, bliss. Ananda means bliss. Non-dual people are only abiding in being and consciousness. They have no bliss because bliss is felt in the body. Bliss is felt in your, in your legs, in your ankles, in your toes, in your forearms. It's physically felt in the body but if you don't have kundalini moving through your body there's no bliss and it's a hyphenated term sat hyphen chit hyphen ananda you can't separate those things so if there's no bliss in your experience you're missing out the body experiences bliss the mind the crown can experience spaciousness the body doesn't experience spaciousness the body experiences bliss and so when the body is healed, the body comes into a state of relaxation, the nervous system relaxes, Shakti begins to flow through it. That's when we can begin to experience bliss. Now, bliss doesn't have to be an experience that we have 24-7, 365 on, on you know, maximum intensity at all times. It can come and go, right? For the most part, we want to have some taste of it at some points in our life, which let us know that we've done work in the body. The hardware has gotten the upgrade, okay? Um, Bliss is an interesting topic. I'll I'll, I'll make some I'll make some uh, some videos about bliss later on. But uh, for now, I'll I'll end there. Thank you so much, Jay Quincy, Jin's World. Great questions today for this uh, Kundalini Awakening uh, Q and A session. Uh, please connect with me on Instagram at Brent Spirit. If you have any questions, the best place to uh, reach me is by Instagram. You can send me a DM. You can also reach me by email info at brentspirit.com. There's more free content on my website brentspirit.com. Check out the description for. Uh, all the stuff that you got to do. And uh, I'll see you next time. Much love and peace.